Oh, greetings, traveler. Oh, what's with all this? You mean this massive arsenal that we've just piled up? Well, we're taking back the inn. Because we're sick and tired of living in the woods with Trent. It's been something. <sighs> but we've been slowly saving up money and I've been, uh, you know, making a few magic items so that, uh, we can take out all these cultists because honestly, I am sick and tired of staying out here in these woods. But there is something else I wish to tell you. We have a new member. A new person joining Death Shift. Oh. I must drop that. Our new member is known as Draxia Cardithian. He is a dragonborn artificer from the city of Haymore in a completely different world that is ruled by war. There are four different religions, all these different countries fighting against each other in a constant, never-ending battle. And our friend Draxir, well, he didn't get to join through happy means, that's for sure. Although, honestly, which one of us did, aside from me? I guess Ronnie was pretty close. Alright, Trent, you wanna do one last one for the road? I will be so sad to see you leave, although you've been a bit loud. Join us at BattleBards.com for all your bardic needs. If you want sound effects, music, Ambience or even re-recorded NPC lines. We have it all at the Battle Bards College. Ah, <sighs> nope, not gonna miss that. All right, thanks, Trent. Well, travelers, let's hop on into this tale. This tale of Draxia. A war-filled home. Hey, I'm Jason, and I'll be playing Drax here, the dragonborn artificer and chosen of machines. start the scene with a gavel hitting down on the wooden judge's stand. Order! Order! Alright, the next one on the list is Draxar Cardithian. There must be some sort of mistake. Draxar's been with this army for many, many years. What is the meaning of this? And this orcish judge puts down his gavel. He looks quite a bit older as his powdered wig is falling over his shoulders and he slowly combs down his beard as he's trying to look over these papers, these small glass sitting on the edge of his nose. And this man steps forward wearing sunglasses and this red suit. Well, actually, sir, yes. Draxar Cardithian is being charged with negligence. Negligence to the king's army. I brought this matter up to the king personally, and he said that Draxar should be sentenced with death. But of course, we're here for formality, and the doors open. 
two hobgoblin guards open them up and start leading in a dragonborn. And Jason, what does Draxar look like? Uh, Draxar is six foot eight. He's a rather stocky dragonborn. His skin is copper color. So as a dragonborn, he's obviously quite scaly. Uh, his eyes are a gray color. And he's about, he's 33 years old. Sorry, he's 37 years old. And he's sort of starting to see the effects of age, but he's still like fairly young and somewhat in his prime. He typically wears uh, scale mail. And uh, he like in battle, like if you were to go hand-to-hand combat, he would wield a trident and a hand axe as he often likes to throw things. So you're led through the court, and you're sat down at your bench, and the judge looks down at you. And you know this judge, Judge Johnsonson. He has helped you out a few times. He's one of your neighbors, actually. You live in one of the nicer areas of the city. And you see there's an angry, somewhat stunned look on his face as he looks down at you. Right now, you're just in simple clothing with manacles around each of your wrists and a chain leading down to your manacled legs. What is the meaning of this, Draxir? What are these charges? Well, I don't know exactly, but I could have had an off day. It says here, one of the tanks of the army of Tempest had a major flaw that would have led to its destruction, a large explosion. How to explain this? I don't know exactly, Your Honor. I, uh, I'd have to see the tests to understand what exactly they found wrong. Drexia, you have been a loyal member of this country. You have been patriotic. You have aided in our war against the countries of Bane, Torm, and Tyr. How could such a small flaw, catastrophic as it is, but... From the papers here, this looks like a simple thing you could have caught. How did this happen? guess it just slipped up. It's been many years of this, day in, day out. We go to war, we create machines of war. It's all we do. It's not very inspiring. We have to hold our enemies at bay and take what land we can. Well, maybe it's time our kingdom started coming to agreements instead of always fighting over every last thing. You hear a number of gasps in the crowd. (laughs) People are looking on. You hear whispers in the back. I told you he was a traitor. What if he's working for Bane? It could be Tyr. I don't know. Torm's been sending in spies lately. And the lawyer who's sitting across from you stands up and does up the little button on his red suit. You see, Your Honor, as he turns towards you, smiling, a large smile. A medallion hangs around his neck, a sunburst with a set of smiling teeth. It looks like he isn't even sorry for his mistake against our great kingdom. Not only that, but he speaks ill of the war our king is leading us through that many soldiers have sacrificed their lives for. Well, I think you're speaking a little too freely there. I am sorry. I wouldn't have wanted anyone to die for my mistakes. And I certainly do respect everyone that's fought and died in these wars. Then maybe your actions could have shown it, Drexir. Everyone makes mistakes. Well, these mistakes cost lives, but thankfully we caught it this time. Judge, you know the sentence that the king wishes to put upon him? I... This is a little harsh. We caught the mistake. The quality assurance made sure this didn't go out. I mean... I don't think we need to send him to the front lines. It was the king's order that we send him. Are you going to disobey King Leolin III, our great and noble leader? No. No, of course not. I'm sorry, Draxir. I hereby sentence you to death for negligence. I am granting you one last night with your family 
The guards will be by your house in the morning to take you to the front lines. You will fight for our kingdom until you fall for this kingdom. I sort of just slumped down and say, understood. But judge, he should be sent off right now. That is my decision. And he slams his gavel down a few times. Draxer, you're free to go. Make use of this time. Thank you. And as you're being ushered out of this courtroom, these two hobgoblins, they're wearing uniforms of Tempest. They look at you. Sorry, Draxir. Look, you got involved in some weird political stuff. But it happens. Could have happened to anyone. Listen, I have a cousin that's survived a while out there on the front lines. If you find him, his name's Darthian. He can help you out. He knows how to survive out there pretty damn well. Perhaps I'll seek him out. But for now, I have to say goodbye to my family, because the chances are I won't be coming back. Of course. And they see you off as you step outside into the streets. Your chains are removed from your ankles and your wrists. You're still in just these average, everyday work clothes. You look up at the sky, and these grayish-green clouds roll overhead. The rain's probably going to be starting soon. The arcane pollution has been so bad in Hamor that it never seems to have a sunny day ever again. Strange rain comes down, sometimes affecting the citizens, changing people's hair color, eye color, changing the taste of food and water. It's an annoyance, but... All the magic is necessary for the war to keep Haymore safe. Unfortunately, the environment has just been going along with it and slowly warping. As you're walking down these cobblestone streets and the rain starts to fall, you look upon a pair of sickly trees that are desperately trying to grow in this small boulevard. This automobile goes by you you see this is one of the newer ones that is more magically powered rather than mechanical and it races right by you almost getting hit this elven couple in it laughing and you see one of them just throws out a bit of trash and it lands right beside one of these trees and people are reveling as there has just been a recent victory out on the front lines you have goblins there all sitting down at this bar, having drinks with these gnomes, talking about how their latest contraptions had dealt such a serious blow to the forces of Bane, and how they finally recaptured the Darkened Keep. A lot of these people here are just in such good spirits as you feel this heavy weight on your shoulders walking back to your home. What does Draxir's home look like? Uh, his home is just a very simple house, uh, mostly of brick construction. Uh, it has two floors since he has a family. He opted for a slightly larger house. It's very simple inside. They have like two bedrooms, one for Draxer and his wife, Malriel, and one for his children, Drax Jr. and Lumamash. Uh, they have like a kitchen and a living room, kind of pretty standard house for a small family. So you looked out with your position. The neighborhood you're in is a nicer one. The houses are all varying sizes, really depending on what kind of money people bring back, but it was thanks to your work working on these tanks that you got to be in a pretty good place. You didn't really have to worry about much in the way of crime. You were arrested this morning, just before you were actually heading out to work your family saw you being taken away and as you're walking back and this rain is hitting down you see the color of your shirt changing from this beige color to a light teal and your wife is looking out the window and she spots you she pulls open the door and quickly runs towards you her tendrils changing to a deep red as she gets up to you and embraces you in a hug what did they say? They, they sentenced me for negligence. Be sent out to the front lines. Just for negligence? Told them it wasn't intentional. I didn't mean to cause any harm. You've done so much for this country. 
just for a simple negligence, that, that's too harsh of a punishment. Well, it's hard to convince a judge in this nation of that. And your children both come running outside, excited to see you again. Uh, how old is Drax Jr. and how old is Lumamash? Uh, Drax Jr. is eight years old and Lumamash is six. So your kids quickly run up and they're both just shouting, Daddy, Daddy, what happened? Why were you taking off? Why are you in chains? Well, I'll be going away. For how long? I don't know if I'll be able to ever come back. They look confused, a little upset. You're probably thinking they don't quite understand. Boys, promise me something. Promise me you'll do everything you can and never become a soldier. Stay out of war. Uh, yeah, okay. We won't be soldiers. Are you going to go be a soldier? Yeah, for one last time. You see, they're starting to get upset. They're confused. This rain's coming down. Normally your kids really like the rain because they love seeing the different colors change. And they love trying to taste the rain and seeing what it'll taste like that day. But they just seem to not even notice it. And your wife takes both of their hands. And you see she's trying to put on a straight and brave face. Come on, boys. Let's let's go inside. Let's finish making dinner. Come on, Jax here. Help me out. All right. And I just follow her inside and help with the chores and cooking and whatnot. The dinner is all your favorite food. And she breaks out this wine that you guys were saving for your anniversary. But obviously you won't be able to have this together. So she takes it out and she's filling your glasses that night. And she's telling the boys of all these stories, these amazing inventions that their father made. Of the great work that you've done, the smiles you've brought to people's faces. What's one of those stories? Valerio. Yeah? Do you remember the time that I worked on that large quadrupedal war tank? The one that they took up north? Yes. Break down the front lines of Torm. Well, do you remember how I stopped it? You said it was going haywire. You said there was uh, some issue with the magic core. Exactly. It was completely out of control. And, well, it was actually about to turn around and, I guess, pull mutiny and attack our own troops. Your kids gasp. Well, fortunately I hadn't worked on that one or we would have been in this position a lot earlier, but... Well, I found a piece of rope, and I managed to lasso the creature. And as you know, these are quite tall. And I managed to pull myself up on top. And boy, was it a wild ride. Everyone was laughing and hollering at me. I was some kind of crazy cowboy up there. (laughs) Some of our troops, they're fearful for their lives, but I managed to get on top of that thing and climb inside through the hatch in the top and... Well, I pulled the core out, managed to dislodge it, and that thing shut right down. Everyone had a good laugh and a drink about that afterwards. Is that why you like fixing things and working on things? So you could help people? Exactly. That's that's what this life's all about. We need to help each other as much as we can. Your kids start yawning, and they're trying to keep their eyes open while they're listening to all these stories. and take in these last moments of wisdom that you're giving them. And you look over and Lumamash has fallen asleep somewhat in their dinner. And Draxer Jr. is just barely keeping his eyes open. Your wife gets up. Let's put them to bed. Wait one minute. I have an idea. And then I go into another room and I find one of their toys. This particular one is a sort of semi-autonomous ball where you can throw it at the ground and it has a very good uh, I guess efficiency so it will bounce for an incredibly long time after you throw it off the ground (laughs) and uh, have this ability uh, magical tinkering so you can touch an item and do one of several effects so what I would like to do is uh, actually record a message in this ball and uh, say Drax Lumamash, Malriel, 
I love you all. Don't ever forget to be the best that you can be. And anytime that they touch this ball, they can actually hear that message. Do you record this in private and bring it to them or? Yes, yes, I'm recording it in that other room and then I'm planning to bring it over to them. Okay. So you come back into the main room and she's just cleaning off Luma Mash's face. It's got a lot of potatoes stuck on it. And are you holding the ball? Yeah, I'll hand it to uh, Drax Jr. And uh, well, the thing is, like, when they touch it, it has to be with the intent of activating it. Okay. So I just let him know. If you ever feel lost, touch this ball. Think of me. Throw it off the wall if you wish. And, well, you'll hear my last bit of advice for you, son. He holds on to the ball tight. She says, thanks, Dad. I'm sure I'll see you soon. Yes. You never know. Make me proud. I will. But I think I need to get some sleep first. All right. And then I'll kind of go to their room with them, tuck them in. So you tuck them in. Mallory sings them a song. And you see your wife is crying. There's barely any light spilling into this room. Just a bit from the main room that still has the lights on. And she kisses each of them on the forehead and pulls the blankets up. And you see that both your children are sound asleep. What is it you do? I'm just going to kind of put my arm around Malriel. Say, you have to stay strong for them. They're good boys, and they've learned a lot in the few years that they've been conscious. I know that with your guidance, they'll be able to become great artificers too, and they will bring joy to many people's faces, as long as they stay out of war. She tries to smile, and tears are freely falling down her face, and she... She nods and then braids her head in your chest. And you just hear her softly weeping. As the night progresses, you find yourself lying in bed. You're staring at the ceiling. You look over to your side, and your wife is fast asleep. The smell of wine is coming off her breath. Both of you had a fair amount to drink. You're looking up. You just can't go to bed. You're so worried. Worried about the future, your children, your wife, everything. And you look, you turn to the other direction and you look out the window, your backyard, the moonlight spilling in, this soft greenish blue light, and you think you notice something for a second. Just in, maybe in the back near your shed, maybe someone moving. What was that? Probably get up and go to look for it because I'm naturally very curious. So you get up, and your wife is very deeply asleep. You walk over to the window, looking out, and you see there's a few chairs that are around a fire pit. There's two smaller ones for your children, the one you made for you, the one you made for your wife. And there is a tall figure, maybe six feet tall. They're wearing all white robes. They have a white pallid featureless mask it's kind of like a one of those old stage masks just this two eyes and a straight smile and they're looking down at the fire pit the moonlight almost radiates off them giving them almost an angelic glow and they look up at you and they're just staring at you through your window i'll kind of rush outside because i'm not having this and uh, I don't know if I walk outside if the creature is still there. Yeah, they're still there. You're standing out there. You just have some pants on. The cool breeze just goes across your skin as you just adjust a bit to outside really quick. And you look at this being. And you can't tell if they're human, if it's an elf. What it is. 
but they stare at you and you feel as if they stare right into you. And you hear this voice, this staticky sounding voice say, Greetings, Draxir Ardithian. It seems that you are destined for war. Who are you? Why are you here? I am Truth. Truth? Yes. I am an emissary. That doesn't really make sense. Truth isn't a person. You're right. Truth is neither one person, many people, or even just an idea. Truth just is. You see, now they're standing in front of you. You didn't see them walk around the fire pit. Draxir, you are destined for war, but not the war that you believe you're destined for. A different one awaits your fate. What do you mean? I'm going to go out there, going to fight as long as I can, and then I'll probably die. It's how these always go. What if I could offer you another choice? One war to end the greatest of all wars that will consume your world, your family, your kingdom, and you can make it back home and live with them in peace. How, how can you guarantee this? I cannot guarantee that you'll survive, but it's far better than just dying on the blood-soaked battlefields of the darkened keep. You'll be hit multiple times cannon fire will strike around you and the three arrows shall pierce your chest taking your life but i could offer you a chance a chance to escape that death and instead fight in our war hmm. you'll be granted power power over the machines this kingdom will not be able to control you it will not be able to take away your family. So what do you want me to do for you? You will go to Abir Toril, to the continent of Faerun. You will meet other people like you, Chosen. You will join their war, and you will stop Dorum Highfire, whatever the cost may be. Well, never heard of such a place, and I don't really trust you a whole lot, but... Well, I'm going to die anyway, so do I really have an option? Everyone has a choice. Whether they make the good choice or the bad choice, it's up to them. He holds out his left hand. I'd give anything to see my family again. I suppose you've got a deal. And I'll reach out and shake his hand. When he grasps your hand, suddenly this intense pain fills your entire body. You feel the bones in your hands cracking under this immense pressure. You're buckled down to your knees. You can barely even let out a bit of a grunt as you look down and this yellow sign is slowly forming on your left hand and it's glowing this bright yellow light and you feel it just drilling into the back of your hand and suddenly the pain stops. Truth lets go and takes a step back, this symbol faintly glows on the back of your hand. What? What on earth did you just do to me? I gave you power, Draxir. And when the three arrows pierce your chest, you will come fight our war. And if you survive, we will send you home. What the... I don't quite understand, but... Well, you've been cryptic this whole time, haven't you? I speak the truth. Well, we'll see. They take a step back further from you and begin to turn around. As they walk away, it doesn't quite make sense. One minute they're there, you know your brain is telling you they're walking, but the path they're taking isn't linear in your head. They're taking steps forward, a few more towards you, and then suddenly they're gone. That was the strangest thing I've ever seen. I just walked back inside, kind of a little bit distressed, but scratching my head and quite confused about the whole exchange. You walk back into the into your house, and the 
moonlight is spilling in as you open up the door and close the door behind you and you look down a soft yellow glow emanates from your left hand you feel a bit stronger a bit more powerful you feel a strange energy coursing through your body and it doesn't make a lot of sense you walk back to your bedroom your wife is laying there her arm is reached out towards where you would normally sleep. Her brow is furrowed, as though she's having a bad dream. Mario, I go to, like, shake her to wake her up. Hmm? Drax here. Drax here, what's the matter? It seemed you are having a nightmare, and, well, I may have had one myself. She gets up, and she's rubbing her eyes. She props herself up on an elbow. Where's that light coming from? I think it's this. And then I show her the symbol on my hand. She looks down at it. What is that? When did you get that? Well, it's a strange story, but this creature, for lack of a better word, appeared outside. I went outside to meet it and basically told me that I could fight another war. Not one here in Haymore somewhere else like another world or something and if I succeed that I might be able to see you again her eyes widen as she looks down at this symbol you notice it's the symbol is like swaying as though maybe you were under just a bit of water but it's at the top of your skin there's hope in her eyes as she looks up at you but you're being shipped off tomorrow morning What's, what's going to happen? Well, no one can say for sure. Being, I don't know how much we can trust it, but it said that I'd be pierced by three arrows. I don't know if that's some symbolism of some kind or literal. If this is true, Draxir, she holds each side of your face. If this is true, you need to fight. You need to come back to us, please. Yes. I'll fight with all of my vigor, all of my strength, anything I can do. I'd give anything to come back and see you all. She brings you in for an embrace and holds you tight. You could feel her nails somewhat digging into your back. And she just holds you for some time. And you can hear her just slightly whispering, It's gonna be okay. I sure hope so kind of mumble back and uh, as we're like embraced and like I have my arms wrapped around her I'm going to I don't know if there's anything that I could reach from there with a free hand probably like something on a nightstand like there's like a there's like a mechanical clock there is uh, like um, I guess you guys would have like old I'm thinking that in this world there's like uh, old electrical lamps and stuff Honestly, that clock is perfect because everyone just bops their alarm clock in the morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to need to grab this clock, and uh, I'm going to use that same recording uh, ability on this. And uh, I'll say, Mauriel, never forget. I'm always with you. One day I'll return. And then after I've imbued it with this, I put it back on the dresser, whatever it was sitting on. You feel this energy pulse from you into this clock as you say these words, and you place it back down, and she holds you tight. After a bit, the two of you fall asleep. You're awakened in the morning. There's a bang on your front door. The sun is barely up. Your wife just slowly opens up her eyes. It seems it's time for you to go. Yes, it's time. But I'll do everything I can to make sure that one day I'll see you again. We'll be waiting for you. We have faith in you. Take care of the boys. I will. And then I I guess I answer the door and sort of march off or whatever happens there. You grab your coat and put on your boots and the two guards there. There's a half-elf man and a half-orc. 
and they just march you over to this iron carriage and the three of you get in as it takes you to the train station. You're going through here, you see all the new colors of the different materials outside from the latest rain. You see there are strange frogs that are hopping around. They have three or four eyes when they clearly should only have two. It seems the magical pollution is starting to get a little bit worse. You get out of this iron carriage and start walking through the train station with these two guards who bring you to a line. It seems like there's a number of other people. Some of them look like fairly hardened criminals. They have a number of tattoos, scars, just a constant scowl on their face. Some other people just look like maybe an office worker or a technician like you. And they're in this line. Soldiers are handing them gear and leading them onto trains. As you get up, you recognize this man. It's another Dragonborn. You remember going to school with him when you were a lot younger. You recognize this man as Adam. He is grabbing onto one of the swords and just like a crossbow and some armor. And he looks up. Draxir. Adam, how, how did you end up here? Oh, well, I got caught stealing an automobile. Now they have me on guard duty. You were always a little wild, weren't you? <laughs> what can I say? I don't ever like just sitting behind a desk. It seems like they're taking more and more people, though, to the war. Are you going to the front lines? Yes. I was sentenced for negligence. They found a vulnerability in one of the tanks I was working on. Well, this one goes to Dark Keep. It seems that things have slowed down a bit there, so you might be okay for a bit. I'll do what I can. I gotta keep this line moving, but fight strong, Draxir. I hope I can see you again one day. Me too, friend. And he pats you on the shoulder, and you walk with all your gear onto the train. You sit down in one of the boxcars. Just there's a, they have each of the individual rooms. And there's a few other people in there. They all look pale, terrified. The halfling man who's just fiddling with the armor that he's been given, trying to put it on. There are two human women that are staring down in their armor. They have the swords in their laps and a hopeless look on their face. You look out the window as the train starts up. You feel the magical pulse go through this train. You have... You've always had a connection with machines. You always kind of knew things about them. But as you're setting your hand on this train, it suddenly clicks to you. There's a problem in the back. One of the train cars is going to dislodge, and there's probably going to be an accident. You could fix it pretty easy. You just have to go down there, tighten a few things, reattach one of the links that's a little loose. But then you don't know why you just had this thought. But you saw everything perfectly in your head, and the train starts up and starts taking out of the station. How on earth did I see that just now? Am I, like, uh, shackled down or anything or restrained in any way? Nope. You have this gear, you have some armor, you have a weapon, a crossbow. Okay. Uh, I'm probably just going to make my way towards where I think that, like, fault is. Sure. Uh, I'm mostly just, like, walk quietly but quickly. So you're walking down this tight hallway. Your shoulders are brushing up against either side. And you see just outside this one door that leads to the outside where the boxcars are linked. That's where the issue is. And you see this one drow guard just leaning up against the door. And he looks up. Recruit? What do you need? Take a look at that joint there. Uh, do you want to roll me a persuasion? Sure. We do roll dice in this game. Uh, that was a 14. He takes out this notebook, and he starts flipping through it. Hmm. What's your name? Draxir Cardithian. 
It says here you're an artificer. Yeah. Fairly good at repairing things in general. All right, any funny business? And I'm kicking you right under those train wheels. Well, I, I would die too, so I won't pull anything funny at all. He opens up the door and motions for you to go. All right, and then I'm going to walk out the door and uh, sort of inspect this and do my general repair process once I figured out what the issue is exactly. So you look down and you see the exact thing that was in your mind. Just eerily, it is picturesque perfect of what you remember seeing. And as you look around, you see with the wind whipping by this almost wasteland of what was once your beautiful country. With King Leolin, he's been dumping all the gold into this war. So much of the forest that once surrounded your city has just been cut down. Mud is everywhere from this magic rain that seems to be hitting your city every single day. And what was once these beautiful green fields that you would take Mariel out for maybe a picnic, maybe you would take the kids out. Now it's just this bleak looking mud field and these grayish, greenish clouds are starting to roll in once more. Roll me a check to fix this. Um, I don't know what you would roll for this kind of thing because I don't play artificers. Does it say what you ever roll? Uh, not that I recall. Let's make it intelligence plus your... Um, proficiency? Yeah, plus your proficiency. Okay. And do it with advantage because you know what you need to fix. Okay. Oh, so that was a natural 20 on the second row. Oh, all right. So it is quick and clean. You quickly reattach the coupling. And it's a little difficult because the train is moving. But there is, you see there's additional coupling that's set up around, but this one was just loose. And if it would have hit a hard bump, then the other two would probably have popped out. And this is supposed to be the backup one. And so there would have been some major issues. And you tighten up a few other things and dust your hands off. And it looks like the train car is a-okay. I can't believe one time something went exactly as expected. That never happens. The drow looks down at the train car that you just fixed up. How did you know about that? You got some buddies trying to sabotage things? I couldn't really tell you, but it just came to me like a vision. And... Well, my nature is to fix anything broken, so here I am. Oh, I guess this Tempest looking out for us. All right, good job, Draxir. You can head on back to your cab. Thank you. And I just would continue back to wherever I was sitting. You go back in there. Your three fellow passengers don't even look at you as you come back in. They're all lost in their own thoughts. You stare at this window once again, and this bleak muddy landscape passes by. You start to go through a few farmer fields. Food is necessary in war at all times. You need to feed the front lines for sure. And as you go through here, you see out in the distance these dark clouds rolling over. There is this blackened keep that is up on a hill. You know this is the darkened keep. It was called that because of how many times this place has been hit with cannon fire but these walls are so powerfully magically reinforced that they've never crumbled. And to take this place is quite a feat, and you know recently, maybe a couple days ago, the Kingdom of Hamor finally conquered it once again. Train doesn't take any time at all to get there, and a lot of you are deposited out. And as you look around this keep, the battlements are massive. These things are reaching high into the sky, this relic, this ancient war bastion that your people have been using for centuries is once more in your kingdom's hands. And this iron gate opens up as you and maybe 30 other people are shuffled inside. You look around and you see a lot of tired faces. There is a number of injured people. 
you see a number of iron golems are placed on sentry, and there are large quadrupeds that are sitting around in the main courtyard. People are repairing them, adding additional cannons and things to them, just trying to do everything they can to reinforce the defenses. One of the young commanders looks up, this small gnome. Oh, good. More people. We do need more arms. Uh, which you can fix things. I certainly can. All right, uh, you're going up on the south battlement. We don't have much time. Uh, the Kingdom of Bane is already launching another assault. They have some aerial fighters that are coming in, and we need to blast those things down. Oh, I don't like the sounds of this. We have maybe an hour. Get up there now. And he tosses you a toolbox. I grab it. I was like, I'm on it. And I just go off to my position because I'm not one to shirk my responsibilities. Yeah. You rush up there, and you're going past a number of people, people who are uh, maybe fixing different engines, they're fixing cannons. You get up there, and you see there are two golems. There is one missing one of its arms. It's on the ground. It's holding on to a spear, and it has these two shoulder cannons on it. You look over, and you see another quadruped that has two cannons on its back, and its jaw is hanging off. It looks like it got slammed pretty hard. And as you're rushing up with your toolbox, you're trying to look over these creatures, the large one holding onto a spear looks down at you. Have you come to fix us? And you know for a fact these things don't talk. What? What? Did, did you just speak? Yes. We are in pain. Have you come to fix us? Well, yes. That is my main goal. Thank you. We will watch the skies for you. And then uh, I would probably work on one at a time. Yep. And uh, so I'd go through some inspection process, and then once I've determined what's actually wrong, I uh, go about fixing it, unless they're capable of telling me what they know is wrong. Yeah, I I think they would help you out. They would probably give you, uh, like, point you towards the areas that are the most damaged. So that would definitely give you advantage. So why don't you roll for each of them? Sure. First roll is a 23. And the second is a 20. Altogether. Nice. Okay. So you go and you hear in your mind these things are talking to you like, Ah yes, my left arm was broken and the plating around it has also been damaged. And the wiring needs to be reconnected. So you're quickly going fixing these things faster than you've ever done before. And it helps having something tell you exactly what the problem is. And your hands are just flying. Your heart is beating because you can hear in the distance the sound of these flying machines. These giant four-winged flying contraptions are coming towards you from the Kingdom of Bane. You see in the sky there must be at least 30, 40 of them. And you hear from the quadruped... We will do our best to defend you, healer. Thank you. You must tell me when something is attacking so I can back behind you. I can always repair you, but I don't think you can repair me. <laughs> this is true. The creatures of flesh are weak. We will do our best. Thank you. Alright, probably continue working. And I at all this time I'm sorta of like a little bit somewhat in shock because it's like a weird dream that machines are just talking to me now. Yeah, you've never heard of anyone having this. No one's ever had this kind of ability. And as you're working away and getting the uh, machines to the best of their shape that they can be in, you see these things start coming in and dive-bombing this keep. A number of these blasts come down, and they're raining down, and the keep stands strong. It holds up to its name. You see more blackened spots appear on this thing. As these bombs hit down, you hear distant screams. One of the bombs starts falling towards you three, and you see the quadruped. It sits up and opens its mouth, and this cannon comes out, and it fires out, blowing up the bomb in the air. And the other one stabs its spear into the ground to steady itself. 
and its two shoulder cannons that look like they've just been recent additions fire off at these things. And you see it blast into one of these contraptions, and it goes spiraling down, and a number of orcs and elves and dwarves are jumping off this thing, and parachutes are opening up as they're falling down onto the keep. You see all around you there are crossbows, there are muskets, you see there are magic, uh, magi cannons, which you'll need both your hands for because they have a really bad kick to them. They're usually meant for golems, but you could probably operate one if you had to. What is it that Draxer does? Uh, I would actually go for one of the crossbows and grab it and start firing. And these are enemies falling down, correct? Yeah, they're parachuting down. Yeah, and uh, have I, would I have finished my repairs at this point, or is there still more to go on these two? Yeah, constructs. Yeah, they're good to go. Okay, so I would kind of take a more covered position. I don't know if there's a lot of space behind where the constructs are. Yeah, there's a few, like, uh, it's that classic, like, keep wall where there's spots that are a little bit lowered for people to hold bows or crossbows over to fire from. Alright, so I would run over to there with one of the crossbows and uh, probably just start trying to pick off what I can that's falling from the sky. Alright, roll me a ranged. So that is, oh boy, uh, seven to hit. So you're firing, and your hands are shaking. It's been a long time since you've seen combat, and you're trying to fire at these people falling down. You didn't expect to be in a fight this soon, and you can't hit any of them. The wind is throwing you off. Rain is starting to pick up. You see lightning slam down a few times in the distance as this storm is quickly approaching with these machines. And you are just trying to fire at them. A few of these uh, orcs and dwarves land on the ramparts near you, and you see they're quickly trying to unbuckle their, uh, their parachutes on them. And you look over, and the two constructs are still busy firing at the different flying machines coming towards you. So I... Like, are they landing reasonably close, like they're going to be upon me soon, or...? Yeah, they'll probably be... Uh, it looks like they're maybe 50, 60 feet away. All right. I At this point, I would probably uh, draw my uh, trident as my melee weapon. Okay. And, um, oh, okay, here's a bit of a question. So, since I have, like, this whole infused weapon thing, you know, like, I can infuse items and whatnot, could we assume that I have infused uh, returning weapon on one of my weapons? Yeah, no, I'm totally down for that. Okay, sure. So, this trident is actually infused with returning weapons, so basically anything with the, the throne characteristic will return to me uh, that same turn. Oh, awesome. After I've used it. Do you do anything to make it come back, like a whistle or a snap, or does it just fly back to your hand? We'll say I, I kind of make like a, sort of like a pulling motion with my hands back, kind of like as though I'm sort of pulling it back into a Kamehameha position. Oh, nice. Because I'm... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. And, uh, and I generally just catch it that way and get ready to throw again. So uh, I would throw at whatever's closest to me. Okay, so these two orcs and two dwarves are coming running at you. You see two of the dwarves have crossbows, and the orcs are coming up. One has a longsword, and one has what looks like to be two battle axes. All right, so I will throw it at Mr. Battleaxe. Okay, roll the hit. That was uh, 18 to hit. All right, that's a hit. Roll your damage. It will be uh, 8 damage. So you toss this trident, and it sails through the air. Stabbing one of the orcs in the chest, then motion your hands, and it rips out of them as they fall down to the ground, and you catch this trident. You see the two dwarves aim carefully, and they fire. Two of the bolts catch you in the chest. This pain goes right through you. You take 15 points of damage, and 
it, you just feel your blood spilling out and it's a little shocking and this adrenaline starts kicking through you as this orc comes running up with his uh, with his axe what's your AC? 16 so you take another 20 points of damage as this orc slams these axes into you one of the constructs turns around seeing that you're being attacked and lowers its spear and stabs into this orc and pulls back and it looks over at you. You're bleeding. Oh, I wasn't ready for this. We will try to defeat the dwarves. Yes, you must cover me. I need to heal. All right, and what do you do? I would do my best to sort of hobble back. Uh, I'm going to cast Cure Wounds on myself. What level are you casting at? Depending on the level is how many D8s you get. Cast this as a level 2. Okay, so 2D8. I'm going to hold for 6. So you feel some of your wounds close up. The bleeding is at least stopped. You're hobbling around the corner. You're looking down at these two arrows in your chest, and your mind can't help but think that there's one more. And as you're rounding the corner to get away from these two, this drow lands down, clicking off their parachute as they fall. And they look over at you and quickly pull out a bow, pull back this arrow and let loose. In this flash time, you watch slowly as this arrow cuts through the air and slams into you. You feel your lifeblood spilling out and your body just giving out. As your head hits the cement behind you, you look and see this glowing yellow light coming from your symbol. Your eyes start to close as you feel this pure exhaustion coming over you. And then you suddenly feel like you're falling. You snap awake, looking around, breathing heavy, and you're sitting in a bed. What what happened? This woman sits down beside you, an elven woman. She has these gold and red robes on. Ah, it seems you're awake. Yeah, we just managed to find you. Well, actually, uh, Arlex and Leona managed to find you. We're glad that we could rescue you after you came through the portal. What's your name, friend? It's Droxir. Droxir Cardithian. But who are you? I'm Astoria. Astoria? It's a different name. I'm the leader of the Chosen. What's a chosen? She holds up her left hand, and there's the same yellow symbol, except you see that there are tendrils that are going up her arm, and she just smiles at you. Were you enlisted by a creature claiming to be truth? Yes, not the most pleasant of people, but yes, I was. What a relief. I thought the whole story was just made up. Most of us did. He comes to those in their time of need and offers a way out. It's been a very strange, strange day. What? Where am I exactly? You're in Abir Toril, on the continent of Faerun. We are in the city of Sanctuary, actually. We just set up these headquarters not too long ago. That's exactly what the creature promised me. This is... this is crazy can't believe this happened. Well, truth does claim to always be telling the truth. She laughs a little bit. (laughs) I can't disagree with that one. She sits down a tray in front of you. You see there's some food on it, some fresh bread, some stew, and there's a, a mug of ale with it. Well, Draxir, it is my job to catch you up on things that are here. So... And then before she even starts to continue, I go and grab for the food because on Haymore there are no table manners. You just eat when you're hungry. (laughs) (laughs) So you start chowing down, and without missing a beat, she says, here is what's been happening recently. And we fast forward 
five years into the future. Draxir, you are used to life in Sanctuary. It is pleasant, clean, very different from home. And, you know, there's no magical pollution. There is a war, but it's not as ingrained in all the people as it is back home. And you're sitting in the R&D labs in the Chosen's headquarters in Sanctuary. When your leader comes out, this large man, this humanoid walrus, he has these large tusks coming down. There's always a chill air around him. And he struts up to you, very proud. Ah, Draxir, my man, the one who can build anything. Do you have a request of me? Haha, <laughs> nope. But you and your mechanical beastie have a new assignment. What is it? Looks like you're going to be joining a group. Uh, he pulls out this piece of paper that is just dwarfed in his massive hands. A death shift. A, a group. You know how I feel about group projects. <laughs> yeah, never pull their weight and make you do it all. Yeah, but this one's a little different. This is one of those uh, adventuring groups we got working for us. Going out there doing missions and such. It seems uh, they keep getting themselves in spots of trouble and they can use uh, someone with a good head on their shoulders, just like you. Well, I sure fit the bill. What? Uh, where do I have to go? Yeah, they're all wandering around right now. They're on leave. You know, uh, well, since New Dawn blew up, uh, Dorm went and rained all them meteors on it. We, uh, we need to be on the defensive now and try to find out some new special magic. So, I think they're just kind of taking a little bit of leave, and, uh, you just chill for a little bit, and I think in a day or two they'll, they'll be back, and you can meet up with them and introduce yourself. All right, well, I look forward to meeting this group, Death Shift. Uh, they're, they're a colorful group. It's a, it's a fun bunch of them. Yeah, it sounds like it. Draxer, you need anything before you go? Hmm. Let me get back to you on that. Anything you need, I'll get you right equipped. You're our damn best technician here, and I want to see that you come back in one piece. Well, I'll do my best. Sorry you gotta go out on that front line, son, but... Well, sometimes, uh... Time change in war. Gotta adapt. Gotta be quick. Haha. <laughs> yeah, I've definitely been here before. I just kind of say that sort of cheekily as I'm remembering back to my, I guess, death in Amor. He gives you a wink and a punch in the shoulder. Ah, you sly dog, you. You gotta make sure you're okay. Actually, wait, before you go, I heard some of these, uh, these guys, they never, uh, they never use a damn torch or anything, so you're probably gonna be blind out there in the dark. And he tosses you a pair of goggles. Those, uh, goggles of dark vision to help you see... At least you won't be blind and stumbling around with these fools. Thank you. Did they all see in the dark? Yeah, crazy. Man, I can't believe these people. They're already crazy. Yeah, they got a, a tiefling paladin named Kelsar. Good kid. Uh, always a little bit sad. You know, he seems to have a lot of problems, but he seems like a good kid. And they got uh, Ronnie. He's a bad influence. Don't follow him. Uh, but he's he's a bard or something. Got chaos powers. Uh, Kelsar's got fire powers. Uh, the bard's a half elf. Uh, oh, they got a Githyanki. That's special. Uh, he's a ranger. Uh, he's got powers over blood. Uh, creepy. He got a. Uh, oh, here's a special one. Careful for this one. Got a, a dwarven cleric named Borodon. Yeah, apparently, he was a prince where he's from, and uh, he can mess around with time. So careful. Might make you old. Uh, royalty. <laughs> yeah, he acts like it too. Mm. Well, try not to let it get in the way of anything. Eh, yeah, you'll be fine. Don't let that kind of stuff get to your head. Just tell him what you're thinking because you're the one with actually a head on your shoulders. And he swats you with a piece of paper on top of your head. <laughs> Alright, I gotta go back. I gotta try to build up this damn machine. We're trying to make this cannon, this massive cannon, gonna blow the doors right off Dorm's castle. Well, let me know if you need any parts for it. You bet, I probably will. He waves to you, he crumples the piece of paper and shoves it into his front pocket and marches out the door. 
And I just sort of gesture back with my hand as he leaves. And now you sit there. This new assignment. You're still in this strange world. But this war... This war is coming to an end. And soon... Soon you will see your family once again. And that's where we'll call this one. Travelers, it feels so good to sit back at the end of the seven dice. Oh my goodness. Your damn rice, it feels good. Finally have my inn back. Oh, I've been missing this baby for so long. Oh, Michael, the way you just took that cultist's head off right at the door, it was like, kablow, it's like you've done this before. I have. Multiple times. Wingover, I used to be an adventurer. All right, who did you travel around with? That's not important. Oh, Mr. Secretive over here, whatever. I'm just glad we got the inn back. Oh. Was that crazy tale about Drax here? Learning all about his, his heritage, where he's from? Oh, his poor family. That broke my heart. It's strange when war dominates a society. Everything's based around it, and people are blindly patriotic. It's frightening. Someone who could be a model citizen could just be... jailed or executed because they didn't follow one new specific rule or irritated someone in high power. Gotta be careful with that, I suppose. Oh, travelers. Thanks for sticking around for the tale. If you ever want to support the show or... Uh, maybe you just want some more ballad content, head on over to our Patreon. We have all sorts of goodies there. Uh, we're always posting up one-shots or little fun clips, and uh, we're even going to be posting up a little special for our two-year anniversary, a little sneak peek into what we're doing. Because, Travelers, it's a good one. Well, Travelers, I must be off. But I bid you all adieu. Michael, bring me some of that mulled wine. We don't have any. <laughs>